So, I'm excited. I, I titled the, the teaching tonight, Here He Comes. Are you guys excited? Yeah! Maranatha, right? The Lord's coming back very, very soon, and the signs are evident, aren't they? The earthquakes, the just all kinds of volcanic activity, the, um, the hurricanes, the you name it, right? Wars, rumors of wars, and it's just nonstop, but we're not to look at the signs, we're to look at where the signs are pointing, and they're pointing to Jesus, right? And so we're to look to Christ in all things, and all the more, this is the time that we should be looking to the Lord and, and, uh, and really just getting, getting excited about the Lord. Um, if you guys want to turn your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3 near the end, um, all of chapter 3 is about the hope of the church. Peter just got done warning the church that there's going to be wolves coming in the church. And, and uh, he got, you know, these false teachers. They're going to come in. They're going to devour the sheep. They're going to come in with their false doctrines. They're, uh, they're just going to come in and they're going to sway those that are not founded on the word of God. And that's why I'm so thankful that we're uh, in this church, that we get to hear the Word of God verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, as Pastor Dwight, you know, faithfully delivers to us, as we're just going through the Word of God, we're being having a, a great foundation in the Word of God, and uh, we're not going to be easily swayed when those doctrines come our way. We're going to be like, uh-uh, wrong church, <laughs> or the church. But Colossians chapter one, verse twenty-seven, it says, "To them God will to make known to you what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what it's Christ in you, the hope of glory." And if we hope in anything else, man, we're in for a big, big disappointment. Amen. Um, it's like the old hymn that goes, I don't know if I put it up there. Oh, yeah, I did. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. Right? You guys like, I don't know why I didn't sing that. Should we all sing that? Okay, maybe next time we'll do that. Okay. Let's just read before we get too crazy here. Second uh, Peter chapter 3, look at verse 1. It says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come, in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Um, man, amen. Thank you, Lord. Um, Peter is stressing the, the time that we're living in today, which is called the end times. I don't think we're in the beginning of times. I don't think we're in the middle of times. Would you guys agree with me that we are in the end times? Uh, I think we are. Uh, in fact, look at verse 3 again. It says, knowing this first. So he's not speaking chronologically here. He's speaking priority here. Um, that scoffers will come in the last days. In fact, turn to Acts chapter, chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, some believe that the last days has already passed. Um, and others say that the last days have it, has it not yet even come yet. Um, and, and Peter's not only talking about these last days, 
uh, here in Second Peter, but he's also talking about the last days in the book of Acts as well, which I'll show you right now. It was on the day of Pentecost, and when the Holy Spirit which was promised in in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, came upon the upper room of the 120 there, um, and they just overflowed with the Holy Spirit, right? They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues, and they were magnifying the Lord. And remember, this was the feast, right, in, in Jerusalem. So there's thousands of people here at this time. And and they're watching, and they're seeing these, these guys that are all filled with the Holy Spirit, and some, you know, different... Uh, there was a lot of different nations that were all around, but they began to hear them speaking in tongues. And they said, are these not Galileans? And yet they are speaking in our language. And these are different peoples, you know, from Egypt and all around the, the whole region. And, and the gift of tongues that were spoken were a known language that they spoke because they said, are they not speaking in our own language, right? Um, so, interesting but some some were amazed and they in some mock saying you know these men are well they're full of wine you know they're, they must be drunk and so at this point uh it was Peter in Acts chapter 2 look at verse 14 it says but Peter standing up with the 11 raised his voice and said to them men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem let this be known to you and heed my words this is so cool. It's Peter, right? And he's up there and he's speaking to thousands of people who are probably listening to him here. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour in, uh, of the day, or 9 a.m., I guess you could say. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. And it shall come to pass in the last days, and there's our key word right there, the last days, right? Says God that I will pour out my, of my spirit on all flesh, speaking of this day of, of Pentecost, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men, men servants and on my maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days, right? And they shall prophesy. So the next three verses, he's talking about the day of the Lord, which in Second Peter 3, uh, 10, begins to explain a lot of uh, the day of the Lord. Um, so here in Acts chapter 2, the last days begun when? At, here at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So that was the beginning of the church as well. And I personally believe that the last days will continue on until the rapture of the church because after the rapture of the church is what we call, the Bible refers to as the day of the Lord, right? Jacob's trouble. And within the day of the Lord is a time of distress. It's a time of wrath. It's not a time that the Bible explains the last days as, it's a, it's a, it's a, not the age of grace. Well, it's still grace being poured out, right? The gospel's going forward. The angel is, is giving the gospel. You got the two prophets giving the gospel. You got people who are coming to the Lord, I'm sure, are all giving the gospel. And so grace is being poured out. But um, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed, heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. So for sure, I think we're living in the last days, right? <laughs> we could go through scripture over and over, and it's just evident the day that we live in today. Um, so go back to Second Peter. Second uh, Peter chapter 3. Peter mentions four things in verses 1 through 9. Four things uh, concerning the last days. The last days. Number one is the reminder that we need. The reminder that we need, and that's in verses 1 and 2. Um, let's look at verse 1. It says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles and Savior. Um, so Peter reminds us about stirring up your pure minds, right? And this word, stir up, in the Greek, it's used seven times in the New Testament, and it simply means to arouse, to 
awaken, right, or to agitate, and, or, or awaken from sleep, right, where you're like, whoa, right, you're just awake. Imagine hearing like a loud trumpet noise, and you're like, whoa, what is it, right? So stir up, right? And, and, and so, in fact, turn to Second Peter chapter 1, about a page to your left. Um, look at verse 12. It says, Peter says, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, so in your body, to stir you up by reminding you. And that's that same word right there, stir you up. And so even though we already understand since we're born again, right, we, we don't, it's, Christ teaches us all things. The word of God is, you know, he, he shows us his word. But Peter understands the import, importance of being reminded of the word of God because we forget, right? We need to be reminded over and over of the word of God. And guess what? The only thing that's going to keep you from being reminded of the word of God is your own pride. Your own pride is going to say, oh, well, I know the Bible, right? I got this down, and I don't need to be reminded about that, all right, or, right? Or you go to church, and then, you know, turn to, and, and you're like, oh, I already been through that one already. What? That's pride. Do you guys have pride? No, no, no. Me, and, okay, all right. But we all are prideful. You're all prideful, right? If you're like me, um, but we got to humble ourselves, right, in the, in the sight of the Lord. Um, but your pride is going to keep you from being reminded of the word of God. It's going to think that you're, you're, you're going to get puffed up and thinking you're something when you're not. And Paul said in Philippians 3.1, he said, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to, to write the same things to you, it's not tedious, but for you it is safe. So there's safety, there's security when you hear the word of God. And when you come in the word and, and you're, you're studying the word of God, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but back to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Peter's stirring up their pure minds. And this word pure, uh, it's used twice in the New Testament. And it's used here in, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 10, uh, there, in Philippians 1.10, it's translated to the word sincere. Very interesting word. Uh, it carries the idea of something sincere, right? It's, it's uh, an interesting word. It's made up of two Greek words. Uh, the first word carries the idea of sunlight. And the second word carries the idea of judgment. So, it's something that is being judged or evaluated in light of the brilliance of the sun. Isn't that cool? It's so cool. Words just come alive when you, when you just look at the definitions of them. This word was often used in the pottery industry. Uh, potters would take clay, and when they ran short of their clay, they would, you know... Um, they would put in impurities into the clay, and, and sometimes it'd be like wax. And uh, they, whatever these ingredients are, they would put them in the clay and making the clay impure now. And then when it was finished and it was for sale, you know, a person would say, you know, they'll take it out into the sun and they'd say, is it sincere? In other words, is it without wax? And when you see it in the sun, you'll see the wax within the cracks. You'll see it within the clay, and it'll begin to melt right away, right? So they would be like, no, it's not sincere, right? <laughs> or yes, it is sincere, and it's a beautiful thing. But uh, that's what that means. So the point Peter's making here is that their minds were not polluted with the mush of this world. You guys don't understand what I'm talking about? And, and, and their minds were not filled with impurities. They were not being allowing, uh, allowing themselves to be influenced by the world. Your, your television, your cell phones. You guys with me? I, I try talking to certain people and like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, what, what, what? Oh, where'd you go? Huh? What? <laughs> they're so distracted these days. And they come home and they sit, they're like zombies before the TV. And once you turn it off, it's like, it's like you're hypnotized. And all of a sudden you come alive and you're like, whoa, I should get, I should start doing stuff, right? But when it's on, you walk by it and you're like, whoa. <laughs> There's so many things in this world that can distract us from 
really life that God gave us and and our relationship with him and getting in his word. And so Peter stirs up their sincere minds, right, their pure minds, by reminding them of two things. Two things in verse 2. He reminds them, number one, about the words of the prophets. The words of the prophets. Notice in the beginning of verse 2, it says that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. And then look back at chapter 1. Look at verse uh, verse 19. It says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So Peter is pointing out to, to, to us the Old Testament, basically, right? By being a shining light, looking forward, illuminating, if you will, um, the time when the morning star will appear, speaking of Jesus Christ, and pointing us to the Messiah, right, in the Old Testament. Everybody from Genesis to Malachi is looking forward to Jesus. And from Matthew to Revelation, everyone, including us, we're looking backward to the cross to Jesus, right, and what he did for you and I. Genesis to Revelation is the story of redemption, right, where where God is redeeming mankind back to himself throughout all of our history. It's, it's just, it's amazing. It, it, when you think about it, you just, you can't help but fall down and just thank the Lord, you know, for his, for his saving grace. But I think it's very important that we study through the scriptures. We study through the word of God, you know, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, like I already said. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. How many churches are out there that you know of are actually going verse by verse through the word of God? It's really rare, isn't it? It's like a gem if you can find that church. And it's like, man, and once you find it, you just want to grab everybody and hug them. You're like, you, who are you? Get over here. Oh, right? Just, oh, I love you guys. And because they're, it's, it's just, it's awesome when you go through the word. Why? Because you're getting the whole counsel of God. And, and you're, you're, uh, you're understanding God's purpose for your life as well. Um, so not only read through and study the word of God, but I also will throw in there, we're, we're to meditate on the word of God. I don't think that is mentioned as much these days, but we're, you know, not, not sitting in a position meditating on chakras or, um, you're finding this stillness between space and time and whatever, right? In, in order to get your, Whatever. that No, none of that stuff. You're not putting your body in some kind of position in order to empty your mind. That's anti-biblical. That's not what the Word of God says. And you're opening yourself up to demons, by the way, but I don't want to get into all that right now. But Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Boom. That you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So daily, you constantly focus and ponder on the word of God, right? You'll be observing the commands of God by doing so, right? You're, you're, you're allowing your brain to be just filled with the word. And as you are, you're, you're pushing out all that other stuff, right? The distractions of this world. It's just the word of God that matters. And it's the word of God that will, that will last, right? When this earth is gone and verse 10, right, talks about the, the melting away the, of the elements of the planets and everything's going to be wrapped up like a scroll and goodbye, what, what's going to last? It's God's word that is eternal. And if that's the case, in 10 million years from now and it's still the truth, why not know it now, right? And, and get to know who is the truth. So um, in Psalm 49, verse 3, it says, My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. In Psalm 19, 14, it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. You see, this meditation, filling your mind with the word of God, is what is acceptable. Now, deleting your mind through medication or through yoga or through all any other 
avenue is not biblical, right? That's not pleasing to the Lord. It's not emptying your mind, but filling your mind with scripture. There's a uh, epidemic, I would say, that's happening in our world today, and that's depression. Uh, among the Christian churches that, that is happening in our day-to-day, um, just today I talked to two people that are just, they're struggling, so much so they, they want to commit suicide. And it's like, <laughs> it seems like you're running into people over and over and over that, uh, why is that happening? What's what's going on? Or, or we got to meditate on the word of God. But I think it's interesting because we can exercise our bodies physically. We could go to the gym, right? Look at me. And we can we can be organized in our home. We can do this and that and throughout the day. And then when it comes to our mind, there's no exercise. We just freely give whatever comes, right? You're, oh, oh, I'll dwell on that. But you're to shut down whatever is not pure, and you're to take in what is pure, which is the word of God, right? What is, uh, uh, Paul said in Philippians, you know, think on these things, whatever is pure, whatever is a good report, whatever is praiseworthy, meditate on these things, right? Rewind, blah, 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 right? It, it's talking about, uh, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to the Lord, right? And he hears, he knows, he knows what's going on. But the thing is, we try taking control of the situation, right, our life, and, and are we called to take control of our own life? No, you, look, you read the Bible, Philippians 3, 5, and 6, what does it say? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your path, right? He's got you. He knows. He'll, he feeds the, the sparrows every day, literally, right? I look out the door, and the birds are walking on the grass, and they're pulling up worms. I'm like, how did that happen, right? And it, he takes care of it. How much more so is he going to take care of you, you know? He, he loves you, and, and you're his child. So, um, wow. Um, yep. So secondly, Peter also reminds them of the words of the apostles. Uh, look at, go back to Second Peter chapter 3, look at verse 2. Um, it says, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So these sent out ones, the apostles, right, uh, refers to the writers of the New Testament. So he just got done talking about the Old Testament. Now he's talking about the New Testament. In fact, look at Second Peter chapter 3, look at verse 15. Verse 15, it says, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them these things in which are some things hard to understand, which I would agree. If you read in Romans, um, there's some, there's some great, really hard things at first to understand where you're like, what are you talking about? But the simple point here is that they're filling their minds not with the pollutions of the world, world but of the word of God and uh, from Genesis to Revelation you know Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 says set your minds on the things that are above right not on the things of the earth but of the things that are above set your mind on uh, you know on, on the word of God You'll be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. You're going to be rooted and grounded, right? And, and you, what's going to happen? What's the result of that? You're just going to be blessed. The Bible says you'll be blessed. And uh, in fact, I think it's interesting that we set our minds on things that are important to us, like our family, our jobs. We set our minds on, you know, our children, our... But, why don't we set our minds on the word of God? Isn't that important to us as well? And it should be. It should be saturated. It should be, you should absorb your, your life in the word of God. It should, it'll come out. And it's, you're going to just start speaking God's word. It's going to be it's, it's great. Um, but secondly, Peter mentions four things concerning the last days, right? So the, the reminder we need, and now, secondly, he's going to, uh, the, the scoffers that will come is what he's going to uh, remind us about in verse 3. Notice verse 3. He says, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. So these scoffers are 
Well, they're mockers, right? These scoffers are mockers, and, and this word is only used twice here, uh, here and also in Jude, uh, verse 18. It says how they uh, told you that there would be mockers in the last time, notice in the last time, who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. It means to ridicule, right? It means to make light of. And these scoffers, like the false teachers of chapter 2, they mock the fact that you and I are living in the last days. Why is the enemy sense that the enemy knows that we're in the last days and and but he wants to convince you that you're not in the last days why because you're not going to have an urgency for Christ right you're, you're not going to uh, be so urgent to give the gospel you're going to think oh tomorrow will come another person will come right but if you know that the Lord could come back at any minute you're on your feet right you're standing you're you're a watchman and you're watching and waiting but you're occupying the time that God gave you here on this earth and you're being faithful with whatever God's given you right you're not burying your head in the sand like a what is it a uh, ostrich right <laughs> you're you're being faithful but you're pressing on you're looking forward and uh, but yet the enemy wants you to believe that you're you're not in the end time so they they choose uh, to fill their minds with the things of this world in contrast to the believers who fill their mind with the word of God. And it's sad that church leaders today, by the way, they encourage, you know, ungodly movies, ungodly music, ungodly, you name it, right? And in a lot of churches, it, it, I'm shocked, right? Every once in a while, I'll get on YouTube and be like, oh, I want to listen to a random teaching. And I put on something and I just get more angry than anything. <laughs> I'm like, Where's the word? It's just a whole bunch of this, right? They're, they got the look that they're smart, but they're just giving this, blah, 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 right? I just want to hear the word of God when I come to church or I want to listen to a teaching. Just give me Jesus, right? Amen? Right? When I die, I just give me Jesus. That's all I want. Um, but I, I've been encouraged to take, you know, the congregation, by the way, to uh, a Muslim church. I can't, I can't call them a church, but a Muslim congregation. And, and to show, you know, the congregation their options. What? Right? Right away, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you, what are you talking about? And they're saying, yeah, you got to show options. You got to, you know, show the people that, you know, uh, you, you, you're just like them so that you can reach them. You know, you can learn their ways so that you can understand them better in order to relate and understand people. And that's feeding the flesh. That's heretical. That's dumb. That's foolish. What does the word say again? We're to fill our minds with religion. Right? What have we been learning this whole with the word of God? If you know the truth, that's all you need. You can spot a counterfeit in a heartbeat. You don't need to study counterfeit in order to understand counterfeit. You need to know Jesus, right? You don't need to know religion and religions, right? You need to know Jesus. He's the one who set he set us free. Why go back? Right? Let's just keep looking forward to Jesus and don't get tempted into the ways of this world. Galatians 5:16 says uh, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the truth is all that we need. We need the word of God. In fact, the more that whatever you choose to feed, that's what's going to become stronger in your life, and that's what's going to overtake you eventually. I want to be overtaken by the word, amen? I want to be burning like Jeremiah, you know, his, his heart was burning for the Lord, and it just couldn't can't help to just bah right? you just want the word to just burst out um, so Peter gives us four things to know about these scoffers in verses three all the way to verse seven and number one they will come they're gonna come according to verse three check this out it says knowing this verse that scoffers will come in the last days are there people today that are ridiculing the coming of the Lord definitely right and 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 our i think it is that that's why we need to stir up our minds uh all the more in his word so we can give an answer for the hope that's in us right when we're going through suffering according to second peter um uh first peter we 
they're, the world's going to see it and they're going to ask, hey, what's the reason that you, where's, who do you believe in? You go to what church? What, what's the hope that you got? Why are you still kicking? Why don't you just give up and die, right? Then, then you can give an answer and give them the gospel. Um, secondly, they walk in lust. They walk in lust. Notice in verse 3, walking according to their own lust. So look back in chapter 2, verse 10. Um, the false teacher is the same as the scoffer. Second uh, Peter chapter two verse ten. In the beginning, it says, "And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness." Uh, in fact, look at Second Timothy. Go to your left. Second Timothy chapter. Go to chapter three. Second Timothy chapter 3. Paul gives us a disturbing look at these people in the last days. Look at Second Peter 3. Look at verse 1. I don't think I have it up there. Um, but it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, which, pff, right? Uh, say no more, right? <laughs> I was just walking by a girl yesterday, and she didn't even know I was next to her, and she's like, Selfie, 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 selfie. Send to myself. <laughs> wow. Anyways, I should have went boo. <laughs> but for men will be lovers of themselves and women, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people, make a wonderful dinner and serve them at your table in your house. What? That's what I thought it said. That's what we're doing sometimes, right? And from such people, turn away. Whoa! Very interesting. Go back to Second Peter. Um, they thirdly, they they're not going to believe in his coming. They're not going to believe his coming. Uh, that's the third thing here. Go go to Second Peter chapter three. Look at verse four. It says, in saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So notice since the fathers fell asleep, so the fathers, speaking of Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob, they say nothing significant has happened in our world to show us that he's coming back again, which is hilarious that the Bible says this because I was given the gospel to some guy, his name is James, shouldn't say his name, but pray for James. But he was, uh, he actually said this. He's like, what makes you think the Lord's going to come back? He's all, nothing's ever happened since the beginning of time that's been so significant in this world. And I was like, wow, the Bible said you would say that. <laughs> He's like, oh, what are you, weirdo? And I was like, wow, that's, that's crazy that they would actually, they really do say that. Um, anyways, um, Fourth, they, they willfully forget. Notice in verse 5, um, they willfully forget. Notice it says for this, they willfully forget. They, they willingly choose not to remember, then they reject hearing the truth. You keep trying to tell them the truth, but they don't care. They reject it, and they're, they're, they put up a wall. They put up a front, and they, they don't want to hear it. Uh, so Peter mentions two things specifically that they will willfully forget or uh, choose not to believe. Number one is creation itself. According to verse 5, notice in verse 5 it says, For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Um, so speaking of creation, right? God spoke the universe uh, into existence, and it leapt into existence, didn't it? And, and in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning was the word, and the word, uh, well, I'm sorry, in the beginning God created uh, the heavens and the earth, and, and so it was God who created the heavens and the earth over uh, billions and billions of years, right? No, right? Don't throw anything. Just joking, right? Um, no, God spoke, and it was done 
right then and there. Are you kidding me? Right? Have you guys actually thought about that? That God actually spoke it and thus it was. And in one day he did all that. In two days he did all that. In three days he did a 24-hour period of time. He actually said it and did all that. And within that time, seventh day, he rested. And no, seriously, your mind probably just jumped like, no, it was millions and millions of years old. But really consider, what if God really can actually say, and it is? I mean, he's pretty powerful if he can actually do that, right? I mean, he would have to be God, right? Right? (laughs) He is God, right? So this happened in a moment of time, not years and years. And and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. So out of the water speaks of that water canopy that surrounded the earth. And uh, prior to Genesis chapter 7, before the flood, uh, rain never came on the earth because it was a perfect world. And all the water from this canopy didn't only flood the earth but also uh, the waters came from within right and and gushed out and so they willfully forget about creation Um, very interesting Uh, and secondly is the flood that they willfully forget about notice in verse 6 of 2nd Peter 3 by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. So these scoffers can't truthfully stand on the side of nothing has happened in this world, right? They willfully deny the facts that are brought before them. And creation of all things and the destruction of most is two huge, huge, huge events that happen in mankind's history. Um, Amazing. But go to the Grand Canyon, you know, go to the highest mountaintops, and, and, and there's marine life that's been buried there in the tip tops of these mountains, right? How did a whale crawl up way up there? <laughs> well, there must have been a flood, right? It must have been an ocean up there. But uh, by the way, I encourage you guys to come to the conference that's coming up. It's not uh, you, everybody's welcome, right? Sign up for it, come to it. Russ Miller's going to be there, and, and what Russ does is showing the Grand Canyon and creation, and um, he, he talks about all that good stuff. So I'm excited. Sometimes I just can't even sleep at night where I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's going to be great. So uh, come out for that if you guys can. Let's come to the third thing here. Since they willfully forget these two things, Peter points them to a future event in verse 7 uh, in the beginning. It says, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, and stop right there, the same word that brought existence into this world, right, also keeps existence as we know it. Um, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So the Lord holds it all together. The science, scientists call it the atomic glue, right? They, nobody knows today with, with all the advanced technology that we have in our day today, uh, you know, what keeps the negative and the positive, uh, you know, charges together? I don't know, but the Bible says it's God. How simple is that, right? We're above technology today, pretty amazing. Uh, But if the Lord can hold it all together, then how much more so can he hold you all together in your life? When you think you're falling apart, God holds you together. He loves you so much. He's willing to even go all out for you, and he did. He went to the cross. He was able to suffer a brutal death for you and I and hang there on the cross, and man didn't kill him, by the way. He gave his own spirit up for you and I, that we would have eternal life, that we would enter into that relationship with him. He was willing to go all out. Guys, it's for the sake of that relationship, and, and he's, he's got you, you know? I love Jude uh, verse 
24, now to him who is able to keep you, and just stop right there, and I'm done, right? Oh, thank you, Lord. He's able to hold us together, and he's got us, so amen to that. Uh, Verse 7 in the middle there, the the first destruction was with water. Now the next destruction is going to be with fire, by the way, uh, according to verse 10. We could get to that later, though. But concerning the last days, I said there's four main things that Peter's pointing out to us. The third thing is the timing of the Lord, the timing of the Lord. Notice in verse 8, it says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So the world's looking at things from a physical perspective, But we're looking at things from a spiritual perspective. And understand, God is not bound to time like we're bound to time, right? Um, He's not looking at his watch and just waiting for his return, right? He's like, come on, let's go. He knows exactly when he's going to come. He's always on time, on his time. Um, and, And to the Lord, it may seem as, you know, two days ago that he told us, you know, that he said he's coming back for us. He's not in a rush, uh, in, in Psalm 90 verse 4 it says for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past and like a watch in the night. Understand God is not on our same timetable, right? God will never be late. He's always on time. He knows when he's going to return for his bride. He knows exact time it's going to be. So don't panic. What does he call you to do? Panic and be afraid or fall asleep? He says no watch, Right? Have a sober mind, by the way. Watch, therefore. Pray. We're to pray and seek the Lord. Um, fourth and last, and we'll end with this, is concerning the last days. Uh, it's the promise of the Lord. The promise of the Lord. Notice in verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In fact, look back at verse 4. Verse 4, it says, In saying, where is the promise of his coming? Very interesting that they say that, isn't it? Um, His promise speaks of his coming back to earth, right? It speaks of coming back for his bride, the church. And this speaks of the rapture of the church. The next time that Jesus comes back, he's coming for his church, And he's not going to step foot on this earth. We're going to meet him in the clouds, right? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Amen? 1 Corinthians 15, uh, yeah, 15, 51 through 58 talks about the same thing. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also love that i'm not troubled (laughs) he's coming back why should i be troubled hebrews 9 28 says so christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation and god's promise is very clear he's coming back for his church amen church Amen. So the question is, why hasn't he come already? I mean, seriously, what's going on here? Well, Peter, he gives us two reasons why he hasn't come back. Notice in verse 9, well, number one, it's because he is long-suffering toward us. Long-suffering toward us in the beginning of verse 9. God is long-suffering. He puts up with a lot, man. He is patient. (laughs) I'm so glad that he waited for me to come to salvation and that you know the rapture didn't happen because I would be uh, I'm just I'm grateful I thank the Lord every single day I wake up and I'm like wow Lord right give the, the Lord your first fruits of your lips and I just thank the Lord thank the Lord for life thank the Lord that he's he's given us opportunity to be in this mission field for him to glorify him but 
Also, we need, we need long-suffering with one another. Don't, don't give up in praying for salvation with your family and your friends. Isn't it? It's a temptation to be like, man, they're yelling in my face. They're saying this and that. Why should I pray for them? Maybe I don't want to pray for them. Don't give up. Keep on praying for them. Pray for their salvation. Because guess what? When you least expect it, all of a sudden, they're repenting and falling on the, their face before the Lord, and they become a believer. And it's like, what? <laughs> How did that happen? And it's, you, it's amazing that the, the, uh, the power of prayer is really amazing. It, just, it still shocks me today, and it's, it's still, you know I, know, I know what the word says about it, but when I see it in action before me, People are getting healed. People are coming to the Lord. You know, and things are happening and you're like, wow, Lord, the simplest little things that we barely ask the Lord about, he just does it right then and there. Um, today, today, I was just putting in a, a little water filtration system thing and, and, uh, and the, the water, of course, is spitting out. Right? Water's going everywhere. And I was like, ah! Tried five times to put that thing back in there and tighten it and push. And I was like, why is this happening? I was like, man, I need a plumber. And I, I prayed to the Lord. I asked the Lord, man, I need a plumber. And then I start walking, and there you know, two plumbers just walk right through the door. And I was like, what are the chances of that? And so I was like, hey, do you mind helping me really quick? And I was like, check this out. I keep spraying everywhere. And then the guy's like, oh, I got this right here. And he takes out the little exact piece. What are the chances of him having the exact piece that I needed, right? And I was like, wow. And then I just stopped to think back on that today, and I was like, Lord, wow, the smallest little things that just, I literally, I gave up. I was walking away, right? And the Lord's like, not yet, right? And it reminds me of salvation in the lives of our friends and our family members, right? We, we're tempted to give up. Keep on praying for them, and, and watch and see the, the, how amazing God is. It's just, it's awesome, um, and, and also, at, at the same time, I'm shocked that the world still is just so rebellious against him. But, um, uh, where am I? So this, this is one reason why we're having, we're, 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 uh, we got to be showing long-suffering toward the world, right? It's, it's for the sake of salvation. But secondly, and let's end with this, because he is not willing for any to perish. Notice that in verse 9 in the middle there. He's not willing that any should perish. So that speaks of his love for you and I, for the church, for the body, for the world. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is God's will that all should come to repentance. And this is his desire, it's his want, it's his it's, 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 what, it's his, his hope, I guess you can say, too. But God is so loving, he doesn't force us to come to faith. He's a gentleman, right? He's not going to force his love on us. We've been given the gift. Uh, we are free moral agents. We have the ability to choose whether we want to believe in him or not. Now, when I say believe, I mean take action on, to literally live your life out for him, right? And, and so... John chapter 3 verse 16 it says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life but understand once you die you have no more opportunity right your sins although you call out to the Lord obviously you're going to call out to him obviously you're going to believe in him but there's no more opportunity you're done it's your time right now to make that decision before the Lord the Bible says today is a day of salvation and it's up to you if you're in here and your heart is like man I'm just an observer that's all I'm just observing uh religion right you're going to come to find out it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ it's not about religion it's about knowing him personally coming to the 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 knowledge of him not a knowledge about him but the knowledge of him and and getting to know him on a personal level and so in fact um, turn with me to Matthew 24 I just want to we're, we're living in a day when we're going to follow Many will follow a deception, and um, magicians today, they're turning you know, water into wine, uh, they're walking on water, levitating on water, tricking and deceiving crowds. Their goal is to pull you to believe in anything else, encourage anything else than your belief in Christ, right? They want to pull you away from who the Lord is. And, and uh, 
even if it's like your own consciousness, right? They, they talk a lot of magicians. Second uh, Thessalonians 2.9 says, The coming of the lawless one, speaking of the Antichrist, one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Look at Matthew 24. Uh, Pastor Dwight did an amazing job at uh, going through here and studying through here. Um, Look at verse 4. It says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Very first thing. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All of these that he just talked about are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because, of, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And the, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Amen? Amen, church? Let's pray, guys. Lord, thank you so much um, for your goodness and your faithfulness. And I uh, just ask, Lord, that you would... Lord, continue to show your faithfulness to, to us, Lord. Continue to um, give us that prompting, Lord, that we need of your Holy Spirit uh, to seek you out, to seek your truth, but to pray for those around us, to pray for our family, to pray for uh, those, our, our neighbors, Lord. I ask that you would use us, Lord, to deliver the gospel, the good news that you came that you died on the cross, Lord, for our sins, you rose again from the grave, that if we believe, if we repent, if we confess our sins, Lord, and choose to follow you, uh, Lord, we would, we would walk with you for all eternity. And I just thank you. I pray you would captivate our mind, Lord. Continue to allow our minds to be pure. Allow us, Lord, uh, your Holy Spirit, to have self-control, Lord, to set our minds in the things that are of you. I pray that you would watch over us, that you would continue to keep us, and that you would continue to deliver your truth to us, Lord, that we might, that we might know you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.